You are listening to Better Golf Academy with me, Hanju Lee. This is episode six. Well, hello everyone. Okay, here's the thing. We all want to get better at golf. But for whatever the reason, our game just doesn't improve. Sound familiar? Okay, well, I'm here to share the best secrets of improving your score. This podcast is not about giving you swing techniques or swing tips, but it's about giving you specific strategies, a tangible plan, and fun ways to improve your score. So welcome to Better Golf Academy Podcast. You ready? All right, here we go. Well, hi there. Welcome to Better Golf Academy podcast. I am your host with the most, Hanju Lee. And can I say something real quick? When I started this podcast, I really had no idea how people would find me and listen. But it's really interesting as I dive into this podcast world of what I'm learning and what I'm truly enjoying and this entire process has just been so fun and thank you so much for being here and listening and um can i tell you i i really got to say like the best part of this is when i get feedback from you guys it's like hey someone is out there listening and not only that they're talking to me (laughs) and so as i promised i will do a shout out to one of my listeners at the beginning of every podcast that leaves me a written review on iTunes. And this time is from Matthew, who writes first the title of the review as Life, I mean Golf Lessons. He says, Hanju reels you into what feels like an intimate conversation, which is a strange feat for a podcast where only one person does the talking. Through these chats, he imparts lesson and wisdom that you have to keep reminding yourself are about golf, not life. Or are they? Brilliant work. Highly recommend. Well, Matthew, what can I say? You decoded my secret. (laughs) So thank you so much for taking the time to write me this awesome review. I really appreciate your insight and encouragement. Have an awesome day. Okay. Um, Hey, so today I want to talk about something I've been debating in my head for a long time. It's a simple question of should I walk or should I ride while playing golf? And of course, sometimes the choices are already made for you, right? Um, Some courses don't even offer an option to walk due to speed of play or even due to some severe hills or long distance between holes. I totally get that, but I'm talking about the courses that we often play that offers both walking and riding, and it's a good fit for both. So what do you do? Do you walk or do you ride? And, you know, this is a better Golf Academy podcast, so we're going to talk about which option helps you to get better, right? And the why behind it. So let me first tackle the first concern that I talked about um, is the speed of play. 
does walking really slow down the speed of play? And the fair answer, I think, is yes. I thought about it logically and also from experience. If I'm playing uh, while riding on a cart without having to wait for a group in front of me, I can jam through 18 holes like like mad, okay? It's, it's obviously that I can get to the ball faster, so I'm going to play faster. Uh, they... They actually timed the foursome to play both ways on the empty course, and and I was right. They were like average golfers, and they played a normal round at a comfortable speed. And uh, by riding, they finished about 15 minutes faster than walking. Uh, But realistically, with the normal pace of play, especially with the group in front of you, are you really losing time, or is it that, you just get there faster with the cart so that you can just wait longer? I don't know. Also, I wish they did a further study on this and see if their scores were any better. But maybe we can unpack that together a little bit, and I'll try to give you a good, educated guess on why I think their scores were better when they walked. All right? Um. So I, I don't know about you, but I've always walked the course growing up um, through junior golf and high school golf. Riding a cart just wasn't even an option. Then came adulthood. And as a leisurely sport for weekend play, we just all went out, grabbed the cart, filled up the ice chest on the side of the cart, and we were ready to hit the course. We didn't think anything of it. It it was just easier to ride, and everyone else just did it. Then about six years ago, my brother-in-law was celebrating his 50th birthday, Big Five O, and we decided to all go and take a weekend trip to Pebble Beach. And this was, for me, like once-in-a-lifetime trip, and I was just so thrilled and excited to be out there. And it was like the perfect day for golf, the temperature couldn't be any better. It was a bit of an overcast with a slight breeze, no direct sunlight. The birds were chirping. It was absolute dream day for golf. And you know what else they required? They required a caddy. And the caddy carried our clubs and our foursome walked the entire course together. So when the four of us walked the course that day, something just lit up within me it brought it all back for me from my junior golf and high school days the competitive spirit rose up as i approached every shot from the direct line behind gave me a time to think about the next shot look at it from all different angles i slowly approached it the tempo was more consistent and i got to control it It helped me focus more on my own game as I didn't have to tag along in the golf cart as my partner drove us around in circles looking for their ball. It was so freeing. And I was thinking to myself, was all these benefits that I'm mentioning just due to walking versus riding? Or was it just I was on this golf high of playing Pebble Beach with my buddies with a caddy? Is there something to this walking thing? Either way, this started a seed of an idea in my head about walking versus riding. And I was on a mission to find out what was more beneficial for me. 
And after much research and reading different sides of the coin, as well as experimenting on my own, um, I, I even purchased a really nice push cart. And I've been learning a lot about how I play the course walking versus riding. And I've been documenting my experiences. And for those of you who are interested, here are some of my conclusions. Okay, you ready? So conclusion number one, I play better when I walk. Why? That's a good question. I, I can't quite pinpoint one big benefit, but there are so many little ones that just added up. And in the long run, it just made me play better. I just scored lower. Um, and some of the benefits were like, I really liked walking up to my ball from directly behind it. From far away, I was walking towards my ball. And as I mentioned before, I'm approaching my ball. I get to feel all the senses around me. and it gives me so much more time to analyze and think about my shot. Uh, I have time to look at all the different obstacles to avoid. Uh, plenty of time to mentally prepare for the shot. I did hear some opposition to this thought where someone complained that it gave them too much time to think about the shot. Maybe. But for me, more time, more focus, more concentration, the better. And as I mentioned before, my tempo was like more consistent. I controlled the speed and how I walked. And it seemed that I have less wait time on the ball. And when I got there, it was just time for me to hit the ball. Well, conclusion number two, I enjoy my round more when I walk. Why? Well, first, I really like to walk. It's freeing, it's comforting, and it's relaxing. I always like to physically move all the time, and this keeps me from just sitting in the cart, just waiting for the next shot. And I also really enjoy the conversation with other walkers. Seems that we are not isolated in our own seats, in our carts. Also, when you're riding, you only have one other person to talk to when your entire foursome is walking. I seem to have more opportunities for deeper connection. Especially when we're waiting on the tee, we're not sitting in the cart, we're usually standing around and talking to each other. And that's all from an extrovert point of view, which is me. Now, I also heard that walking is great for introverts who just want to be left alone and focus on their own game. This, this makes sense for me too. It's easier to stray off on your own and walk a different pace without offending anyone, right? So conclusion number three, it's also healthier. Okay, check this out. Scientific researchers in Sweden found that walking a round of golf equated to 40 to 70% intensity of a maximum aerobic workout, assuming 18 holes are played. In another study, cardiologist Dr. Edward studies show that the golfers that walk reduces the level of bad cholesterol while keeping their good cholesterol steady. The control group of riding golfers failed to show those same results. Also, get this. According to Golf Science International, they calculated that four hours of playing golf while walking is comparable 
to a 45-minute fitness class. Another study conducted at the Rose Center for Health and Sports Sciences in Denver concluded that walking nine holes on a hilly course is equivalent to a walk of about 2.5 miles compared to a half a mile when using a cart. And that a golfer who walks 36 holes a week is burning nearly 3,000 calories. Okay, that is equivalent to eating five In-N-Out double-double burgers with cheese, onion, mustard, and ketchup. Five of those. Well, you might be thinking, well, seriously, so what? How can that make so much difference in my game, walking versus riding? It seems insignificant. And you know what I say to that? I say, let me tell you a story that I just read in this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Okay, I just finished it. It's an awesome book. I highly, highly recommend it. But this is a story on chapter one that he starts the entire book by. Okay, so here's the story. So, did you know that in Great Britain, the professional cyclists were not known for their winning record for close to 100 years? They were a team of mediocre cyclists. Then you know what they did? They hired a new performance director by the name of Dave Brailsford. And since 1908, British rider has won only just one gold medal at the Olympics Games. And in 119 years, no British cycle has ever won the biggest race in cycling, Tour de France. Um, in fact, this is really funny. <laughs> the, the performance of British riders has been so underwhelming that one of the top bike manufacturers in Europe refused to sell bikes to the team because they were afraid that it would hurt their sales if other professionals saw them using their gear. <laughs> so sad. Okay, so this guy, Brailsford, um, was very different from all the previous coaches. And it was his relentless commitment to a strategy that he referred to as the aggregation of marginal gains. Okay, aggregation of marginal gains which was the philosophy of searching for tiny margins of improvement in everything that you do. Okay, so this is what he said. He said the whole principle came from the idea that if you broke down everything you could think of that goes into riding a bike and then improve it by 1%, you will get a significant increase when you put them all together. Okay, and Brailsford and his coaches began by making small adjustment you might expect from a professional cycle team. Okay, and this is what they did. They redesigned the bike seats to make them more comfortable. Okay, what's that going to do, right? They rubbed alcohol on the tires for better grip. Okay, they asked the riders to wear the heated shorts to maintain ideal muscle temperature while riding so not that significant right okay they also use biofeedback sensors to monitor how each 
athlete responded to a particular workout. The team tested various fabrics in the wind tunnel and had their outdoor riders switch to indoor racing suits, which proved to be lighter and more aerodynamic. They tested all these different types of massage gels to which one led to the fastest muscle recovery. They hired a surgeon to teach each rider the best way to wash their hands to reduce the chance of catching a cold. They determined the type of pillow and mattress that led to the best night's sleep for each rider. They even painted the inside of the team truck white, which helped them spot little bits of dust that would normally slip by unnoticed but could degrade the performance of the fine-tuned bikes. So as these and hundreds of other small improvements accumulated, the results came faster than anyone could have imagined. Just within five years after Brailsford took over, the British cycling team dominated the road and track cycling events at the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing, where they won 60% of the gold medals available. And four years later, when the Olympic Games came to London, the Brits raised the bar as they set nine Olympic records and seven world records. Okay, That same year, Bradley Wiggins became the first British cyclist to win the Tour de France. The next year, his teammate Chris Froome won the race, and he would go on to win again in 2015. 2016 and 2017, giving the British team five Tour de France victories in six years. Okay, during the 10 year span from 2007 to 2017, the British cyclists won 178 world championships and 66 Olympic or Paralympic gold medals and captured five Tour de France victories in what is widely regarded as the most successful run in cycling history. Okay, how does this happen, people? (laughs) What does a team of previously ordinary athletes transform into world champions with tiny changes that wouldn't even seem to make small difference? So why do small improvements accumulate into such awesome results? And how can you replicate this approach in your own life? Okay, did I say life? I meant how can you replicate this approach in your golf game? Okay, well, start by walking. And while walking, start by thinking. Start by taking the time to focus. Start by taking a deep breath. Start by enjoying the surroundings and the beauty around you. Start by enjoying the friendships and conversation on the tee box. Start by enjoying the competition and start by improving the little things one after another that will accumulate eventually in the big things. This is how the improvement is made. This is how we play better golf. Cool? Cool. Okay. Did you guys enjoy this episode? Did you guys learn something? Did you guys have a new perspective? Do you want to start walking? I want to know. I I would love it if you leave a comment on our episode 6 blog on bettergolfacademy.com 
or just email me at hanju at bettergolfacademy.com. That's hanju, H-A-N-J-U, at bettergolfacademy.com. Or I would love it if you leave me a review on iTunes podcast. Make sure you leave me your first name on iTunes review so I can give you a shout out too, okay? But in the meantime, let's all get better together and let's do it by aggregation of marginal gains. 1% improvement each day. What do you think? I think it's an awesome idea. And I think it's an idea that has proven over and over again in all different industries, all different sports, and even all different aspects of life. Yeah. <laughs> I hope this motivates you to walk the next round. Try it out. I think you'll love it. But in the meantime, hey, thanks for listening to Better Golf Academy Podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Ciao for now. Talk to you next time.